You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Every Christmas Eve, in addition to celebrating the birth of Christ, I also get to celebrate a more personal birth. Um, It was on Christmas Eve in 1985, when I was four years old, that I became a Christian. My mom and I were attending a service at our church, and the pastor was preparing to distribute communion. Uh, This wasn't a church that celebrated communion every week, so this was a sort of momentous and quarterly occasion. Um, And when he explained to the congregation that only those who had accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior should partake in the elements that he was about to distribute, I asked my mom what that meant, and she explained the gospel to me in terms that a four-year-old could understand. I asked Jesus into my heart right away. And I can still remember, all these years later, the joy that I felt when I came home. My dad was at home, and I walked in the door and said, Daddy, Daddy, guess what? Guess what? I'm a Christian. And it was this moment that I look back on, and it's always been a very special moment for me to look back on and remember that moment where... I became aware of Christ's call upon my life and decided to follow him. However, in some of the churches and organizations that I grew up in, um, there, was, there were times that I wished for a more dramatic testimony. Because share, in some churches, sharing testimonies and sharing about how you came to know Jesus can be a big part of what it means to gather and how we celebrate what God has done. And that's good, but it's almost always the stories of some dramatic turnaround that they actually tell from the front of the of the church. Um, People aren't looking for the story of, you know, I became a Christian when I was four years old and it stuck. Um, They usually involve supernatural intervention and a dramatic moment of repentance. And in other words, they look a lot more like Nathaniel's story from our gospel reading today than they look like my own. Because Nathaniel's story hits almost all the right notes for a dramatic public testimony. He starts out as a skeptic and perhaps a bit of a cynic. When Philip comes to him with news that he had found the one who is written about in the law and the prophets, he latched on to the fact that this supposed Messiah was from Nazareth, and he asked that question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This wasn't just like a city dweller's disdain for the rural areas of of Israel. Uh, Nathanael was from Cana, uh, which is where Jesus was about to go to the wedding um, shortly after this, Um, but... Cana was probably about three miles down the road from Nazareth. So, this, so Nathaniel knew the area well, and pre- familiarity had bred contempt in his case. There was no apparent spark of curiosity or openness to something new. He knew the type of people that lived in Cana and Nazareth, and he said, there's nothing good coming from here. But Philip was confident in what, or rather whom, he had seen. He didn't try to convince Nathaniel that his claim was true. He merely offered an invitation. Come and see. And for some reason, Nathaniel went with him. I guess um, perhaps it was because of his friendship with Philip, or perhaps it was because he hoped to be the one who shut down the hope of that false messiah. Um, Certainly, sometimes cynics will come and see this this, thing that you have proclaimed so that they can then speak against it. But whatever his reason, when he actually encountered Jesus everything changed for him. Despite growing up in the next town over, Nathaniel had never apparently met Jesus. 
but when he met, but when they when they encounter, when he encountered him, Jesus spoke as if he already knew him. He said, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile." I think it's easy to hear Nathaniel's response of, "How do you know me?" Um, as it's, as if it's sarcastic. And if we do so, it's even then we can switch to interpreting Jesus' statement um, as if it's a lightly mocking tone, as if it's somehow sort of making fun of Nathaniel a little bit and his perhaps apparent way that he's holding himself up above the revelation that Philip had. But nothing in the text actually indicates that this exchange is anything less than authentic. Somehow, in this naming of Nathaniel and telling him and calling him an Israelite without no guile, he had spoken a word that nails... Nathaniel's conception of himself. It reminds me of the brilliant scene in the BBC series of Sherlock, um, where Watson meets Sherlock for the first time. And he walks into this lab where Sherlock is working um, because a friend has, has brought him up to meet Sherlock. And before he has a chance to say anything at all about himself, Sherlock deduces that Watson is a retired army doctor with a psychosomatic limp, and an alcoholic brother who he won't go to for help, while he's looking for a roommate in order to try to afford London's high rent. Um, and, and all of this comes, and, and Watson's response to his friend is like, is he always like this? And he goes, yeah, um, pretty much. But Sherlock's observations are, deductions are based on careful observation. And later on in the, in the show, he reveals how he knew and what he saw that, that kind of brought all of this to light, where he knew something about uh, Watson, despite their apparent, um, his, his not having met before. But when Nathaniel asks Jesus, how do you know me? He doesn't reveal any secret techniques or parlor tricks. There's no, there's no avenue of, well, since we grew up not far away, I've already heard of you. It's, instead, he goes even further and says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And something remarkable happens here because Nathaniel responds to this with a declaration of, of Jesus that is above and beyond anything we've seen from anybody in the gospel so far. And we aren't told why this statement is so significant to Nathaniel. Was there some special meaning for the fig tree? Did it just happen to be where he was sitting when Philip came by? Any attempts to answer this question definitively um, just sort of devolve into mere speculation. But whatever meaning it held for Nathaniel, it was exactly the right thing to say. He clearly saw Jesus' statement as a supernatural revelation of knowledge, and his turnaround was dramatic. The cynic became a true, true believer who immediately proclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now, in this, we should probably be careful not to read too much into Nathaniel's statement. We know that Jesus was truly the beloved Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, uh, but Nathaniel was not at this time probably recognizing the divinity of Jesus. None of the apostles would realize that until later. He was looking back into some of the Old Testament traditions that looked at the Messiah as one who is called the Son of God. So he was recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, just as Philip had claimed that he would. He came and saw as Philip asked him to, and it was enough for him. It convinced him of the veracity of Jesus' claim that he is the Messiah. He is the one. So, a decisive moment, a supernatural revelation, and a dramatic turnaround. Nathaniel's story has all the marks of a great stand-in-front-of-a-crowd testimony, except perhaps for a life in shambles before he met Jesus. 
But Nathaniel's story is not given to us as a picture of what all conversion stories will look like. We are not asked to compare our encounter with Jesus to his. In fact, there are three other conversion stories, three other calls to discipleship that happen right before this one, and none of the others are so apparently dramatic. In John chapter 1, verse 35, before our reading for today, Andrew and another of John the Baptist's disciples were standing near John when they heard him proclaim Jesus to be the Lamb of God. They began to follow Jesus, and when he saw them, he asked, What are you looking for? They, in turn, called him teacher and asked where he was staying. And he said to them, just like Philip eventually said to Nathaniel, Come and see. And they decide, on the basis of John's testimony and on whatever they, they saw when they did come and see, and they, they spent time with Jesus that day, that he is the Messiah. Andrew's call didn't start with with drama or cynicism. It started with curiosity. In verse 40, Andrew went to his brother Simon and told him that they have found the Messiah. And Simon simply believes him and comes to Jesus, and where he is given a new name, Peter, and becomes another of his disciples. Peter's call began with a trust in his brother and what he had to say. And then in verse 43, where we do enter into where we read in our gospel reading today, Jesus found Philip and told him, follow me. Philip obeyed, and he became the one to invite Nathanael. Philip's journey with Jesus began with a straightforward call and simple obedience. When all of these stories are laid side by side, when we see them all together as, as just this image of Jesus calling his disciples a, patterns, a pattern emerges where each man's call was very different. But in each case, Jesus knew exactly what to say or do to bring them into, into the encounter with him and to lead them to become one of his disciples. It's not only Nathaniel whom Jesus knew intimately, though that was revealed through supernatural knowledge. He appealed to Andrew's curiosity, Peter's fidelity in his family, and his need for a new identity, Philip's obedience. Every call to follow Christ is personal because Jesus is the good shepherd who knows his sheep. I think there's also a curious tension in these stories between the initiative of the disciples and the authority of Jesus. In the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, most of the apostles are called in a manner similar to Philip, where there's this unilateral command to follow me, and they stop what they're doing and, and just leave and immediately follow Jesus. John presents a bit of a more complex story in these four encounters. Several of the disciples seem to approach Jesus first before he issues a call. But in every case, as soon as they encounter Jesus, they find that he takes the initiative. Andrew followed after Jesus, but it wasn't until Jesus spoke to him and invited him to come and see where he was staying that he became a disciple. Peter found himself into the presence of a man who on their first encounter could, could change his very name. Nathaniel found a man who knew him before he had even seen him. Furthermore, there are hints that, as he did with Nathaniel, Jesus saw all of the disciples before they came to him. It's perhaps most evident in Simon Peter's call. When he's given a new name in that first encounter with Jesus, Jesus knew him, knew him better than he knew himself, knew him enough to be able to, to change not only the sense of identity that he had for himself, but the sense of identity that he would have before the entire world. 
And when you take that deep knowledge of Peter into account, even in the way that John presents the story, it's impossible to see his encounter with Jesus as an accident, or even as something that occurred really under his own initiative. He responded to a call to follow Jesus as surely as did Philip. In this, Jesus' glory is revealed when he issues these calls, for he is revealed as the one who intimately knows those whom he calls to himself. He calls each person in the way that is exactly right for them. And Jesus is is revealed as the one with authority and initiative. Even when it comes through another person, even when when the words of someone else are the ones that, that are spoken, it still is Jesus speaking through them, extending that call to others. And this means, because this is always true, this means that you can be confident in your own encounter with Jesus. In the moment when you became aware that Jesus had called you and you decided to follow him, was because he knew you. He knew you deeply and intimately. And he wanted you to be his disciple. And your call, whatever it looked like, was exactly right for you. Paul puts it this way in the book of Ephesians, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. There are no unimpressive testimonies. My story of a four-year-old boy intrigued by communion on Christmas Eve is a story of God's plan from before the foundation of the world unfolding, a moment where his freely given grace became evident in the life of an individual person. Your story, whether it's dramatic or prosaic, has the same cosmic significance. Even if your conversion was more gradual and you can't remember the specific moment when you came to Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, yours is a testimony of grace. Your story matters because it is part of the great story of redemption where God is reconciling all things to himself in Christ. And your story has taken its particular shape because Jesus loves you, specifically you, and has called you in exactly the way that was necessary to bring you into a relationship with him. Your story is worth telling because it's really God's story. He's the one who took the initiative, who gave you the gift of grace. None of us can boast in what we have done. To God be the glory. And if you're sitting here or if you're joining us online this morning, and you don't recognize yourself as having responded to that invitation as following in Jesus, I'm extending it to you right now. Because as we see, Jesus calls us not only to salvation, he calls us to work, to mission. Because you know that God has seen you and has called you to be a disciple of his, you should have great confidence in the work that he has given you to do. You were not called for your sake alone. God has blessed you with the gift of salvation so that you may be a blessing to others. 
This is always the way that God works. It was true of Adam. It was true of Noah, of Abram, of Samuel, of every one of Jesus' disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's true of you as well. Because every disciple of Jesus is given authority to extend his call to others. Notice how this plays out even in these four stories. Andrew began following Jesus because he heard John the Baptist's proclamation. Peter came because Andrew told him he had found the Messiah. Jesus called Philip directly, though some speculate that he may have been the unnamed disciple who was with Andrew, um, since there were two of them and one of them was never given a name. But as soon as he did so, Philip immediately went to tell Nathanael about Jesus. The call that you have received upon your life is not only for your salvation, as wonderful as that is. It is also a call to participate in the mission of God. That idea of mission is not only for clergy or missionaries or those with a special spiritual gift of evangelism. It is for all of the church. When Christ asked you to follow him, he also gave you the authority and the responsibility to extend that call to others. That can be scary. We're not sure sometimes. How do we, how do we bring this up? How do, we, how do we talk about Jesus? But you can be confident that the one who called you to this mission did not make a mistake because he knows you and he called you in particular, you in a way that shows his deep knowledge of who you are. If he says you are fit for the mission, you can be sure that it's true. Just as importantly, the mission that he has given you isn't something he's left you to alone. When Nathaniel came to come and see at Philip's invitation, he found that Jesus had already seen him. Philip's invitation was really Jesus' call. The same is true for anyone to whom you would extend the invitation to come and see. Jesus doesn't ask you to win people over by your persuasive power. He asks you to invite them to an encounter with him. It is in that moment of encounter that disciples are made. And if they choose to follow Jesus, they will find that even your words were part of his call. This is a way that Jesus' glory is still further revealed to us. He told Nathaniel that he would see greater things than simply this call that, that he had received, this, this intimate knowledge of him. And throughout his life, his glory was, was further and further unveiled, and it is still unveiled now. And one of the ways that it is, is so is that every time that we encounter, extend that invitation to encounter Jesus, and someone does, and they come and, and, and walk in the ways that they are a disciple, they find that Jesus was working all the way back from the beginning, the foundation of the world, to call them in particular And it reveals the glory and majesty and care of God for all of his creation, for all of his people, and the work of redemption that he is doing. Think again on your own story. Who was involved in bringing you to an encounter with Jesus? Those people were acting on behalf of Christ. They were responding faithfully to his charge to share the blessing that they had received. And God worked through him But that invitation was Jesus' own invitation. They were his words and his call to you. So let's do the same. Let's be a people who are quick to share our own stories of encounter with Jesus because they deeply matter, because they are significant. Let's Let's be those who are quick to invite others to come and see 
what we have found. Because we have found the one whose glory is revealed. Let's trust the one who knows us so intimately and take up the authority that he has given us to extend his call and trust that as we do so, we will find Jesus at work in our words. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.